Oda, 30 feet away. Jumper in the air. He's got it! Lamar Odom has won it for Rhode Island! In traffic, off-balance shot. Thank you! Jared Terrell in Rhode Island has done it in the final five seconds on a circus shot from Jared Terrell. A career-high night for him and a victory for Rhode Island. Look it up, Dutton. Run out, Rowdy, look out! Oh, steal by Vance Russell off of Young. Three. Don't do it to him like that, Vance. Dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He ducks it home as the buzzer sounds. And Rowdy, the 8-10 champs. Happy New Year. It is finally 2021 and episode three of the Roadie Baseline Podcast. I'm Gary, joined as always this week by my co-host, Andrew. Andrew, we've we've made it. We got past 2020. Thank God, Gary, we got past 2021. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all of Roadie Nation. May 2021 be uh, a new year filled with positives and uh, just get rid of 2020 out of our memory and Hopefully full of good things. I'm so happy it's 2021. It feels like this year has dragged on. All that time has, has kind of flown by. And it's nice to finally be back. But right before we get into this week's episode, make sure to subscribe to us. iTunes, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast platforms. And make sure to like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Baseline, And on Twitter, at Baseline. If you want to follow us, make sure to leave us a five-star review. And shout out to anybody who's done that already. Uh, we do have a couple of those on our page. So we appreciate that. Uh, and want to, you know, be able to provide you guys the best roadie content available on the market. And no better way to sleep off that uh, New Year's hangover than listening to us talk about roadie basketball. Yeah, right about that one, Andrew. We got a lot to talk about in today's episode. Uh, we've been uh, gone for a week. Hopefully everybody had a great holiday. Uh, but we had a couple games that happened. The Davidson game that feels like it happened ages ago at this point. And then also the game that happened Wednesday against the Bonnies. Uh, and then obviously chatting about next week's games uh, against St. Joe's and the Richmond Spiders. Uh, and also some questions from you guys as well. We get a lot to cover today, right, Andrew? And we have a, we have an interesting hot take. And we also are going to try a little new segment today that will be a little interesting. It'll give you a nice little preview of everything going on in the conference. So stick, stay tuned for that one. Oh, so much. So let, let's jump right in, right? So the... URI Rams played uh, the Davidson Wildcats. This game happened on December 18th. And obviously, first we're conference <laughs> game of the year, too. And we're chatting early. And, and we're chatting about it now, right? It feels like it was so long. Unfortunately, the way that our episodes worked out, this game got put on the back shelf. Uh, but yes, the first conference game for URI. Uh, and also the first conference game for Davidson as well. Yes, yes. And uh, it's interesting you said it got put on the back shelf. And thank God it did because that was one ugly basketball game from start to finish. <laughs> URI did not look great. They looked good at points. They came out of the gates well. and But it just it did not go very well. Yeah, tough start for the Rody, for the Rody Rams. They they came out, you know, swinging in the they beginning. They came out amazing. <laughs> not mean... Maybe not so. Maybe not the team as a whole, but Malik Martin, who we flipped out about, yelled about in our last episode, he came out amazing. Had the game of his career. He had a career high twenty points. Shot seven of nine from the field, four of six from three. He 
got us out to a quick nine nothing lead with three straight three pointers, which um, is amazing, amazing by the way. <laughs> I remember texting you that game. I was like, "Hey, Gary, maybe we should yell. Who should we yell at next? Because we yelled at Malik Martin and." Malik, if you're listening, you're welcome. <laughs> but yes, Malik Martin with uh, three straight three-pointers puts you a riot to a 9 nothing lead. Uh, unfortunately, I don't want to say that that was the high point of the game. Uh, but things got a little uh, things got a little rough. Yeah, they uh, we made we hit seven of our first eight shots from the field. We were up 19-13 to 13 at one point. But after that, Davidson, like Davidson always does, they chip away. They have their slow half court moving to find open shots and then they trap you down on defense and they ended up taking a 27 to 26 lead going into like the last possession and then URI had terrible defense at the end of the half which led to a three ball from the corner at the buzzer giving Davidson a 32 28 lead at the half and it just did not go very well after that again and again it uh, it just it goes to show you or I finally got the st- got the start they needed, but they couldn't hold on to it in the first half. It also seems like that could kind of contribute a little bit more towards the learning curve, don't you think? Yeah, the learning curve, and then you kind of got like a false sense of hope because they opened up the second half with a quick 7-0 run to take the lead, but then Davidson called the timeout, and Davidson used a 13-0 run to take a, take a 52-39 lead with 7-21 to go, and... I mean, you or I made a run to get back within three, but they just couldn't get over the hump. And it just goes to show you got to put a full 40 minutes together, especially in conference play. And it just showed that A, you or I still has a lot of room to grow, and they're going to need more help from just one or two guys showing up on one night. They're going to need a lot of people. They After that first seven of its eight first shots, they shot 31% the rest of the night. Outside of Malik Martin, nobody shot the ball well. They shot 3 of 15 from 3. It was just not not what you needed to do having in having your first conference game. It was it was a pitiful performance outside of a few quick little runs in Malik Martin and a couple other decent performances, but it was not not what anybody expected going into conference play. Yeah, just very tough. I mean, uh Fats Russell only shot uh 2 out of 11 uh, from field goal range, uh, zero for three at the three-point line uh, with 33 minutes and, and just kind of six assists was his, you know, big thing. And then, you know, uh, Mikhail Mitchell. Which those six assists, though, were one of the good high spots because that put Russell in ninth place in program history with 337. He passed uh, Parfait Batit, sorry if I mispronounced your name, with 331 and Stan Wright with 333 on URI's all-time list. But outside of that, there was nothing really to write home about. You still have the same issues. Just, just it's just a tough game. And then also, uh, you know, because injuries Davidson have to... Davidson is always a tough game. but They are. They are. And, you know, injuries always have to plague us too because that's just the way it's been this season. Uh, Jermaine Harris uh, with an, you know, an awful jump and kind of landed awkwardly uh, has to, you know, get... Uh, carried off and then carried into the locker room. I do got to give a shout out, you know, to Daniel Anthony, the athletic trainer for the team. Uh, he's done a great job this season of taking care of the players and, uh, you know, and just, all the COVID just, <laughs> crap that he has to deal with this yeah, year. Yeah, like he, that like man, he, that, that man, man should get a pay raise for being able to keep these guys on the court, dealing with all the COVID stuff. And we know with Fats going on right now, being able to get, even though Fats isn't Fats, and which we'll get into that later all the props in the world for keeping these guys ready and getting 
getting uh, Jermaine Harris ready to go for the Bonnies game. It just tip of the cap to him. Yep. Uh, so, a couple of stats I want to throw out before we close it out on this game. Han Jung Lee had 16 points for Davidson. Uh, Kellen Grady also with 11 points. Uh, and Luka uh, Braj- Brajkovic. Brajkovic. Uh, sorry, I butchered all your... I, I, I butchered all those names uh, with also 10 points. Uh, and Davidson with the win uh, at the Ryan Center, giving URI their first loss in Atlanticton play uh, and making it three straight losses for the Rhode Island Rams. I think two of your big stats of this game for URI's standpoint was the free throw line killed them again, losing the rebounding. They shot they shot 50% from the free throw stripe, shot 30% from three, and overall shot 40% from the field. Those are your three stats that will kill you every time. Yep. Uh, final score in Kingston, the Davidson Wildcats 67, your URI Rams 58. And now we move on to our next conference game, which was on December 30th between URI and the St. Bonaventure Bonnies, which was a, maybe it's too early to call it in this season, but in my opinion, it was a must win for URI. They came out, it was rocky from the start, from start to finish, it was rocky. But URI was able to prevail 63-57 against the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. And, Gary, this is another game. that We've been saying this a lot this year. This is not one you're going to send to college coaches or to high school coaches and young players. And you're not going to send it to the Referee Institute. That's for darn sure either. There was a lot in this game that was very, very, very very questionable so so one thing i do want to bring up right this game uh before the game started uri was two point favorites with that line being so tight this game was a war and i and, and i don't say that lately right you knew this game was going to be tough uh the as bonnies, it always is the, the as it always is the the, the the bonnies played us last year and uh oshuni didn't even play for them he was out with an injury, so it made a, a huge difference there, right? And, and he's a big part of that team. So you knew it was going to be a tough game. Uh, you know, you you were going to need players to step up uh, and people to, to come out. And you were right to have a better start, right? So it, it, it doesn't surprise me that this game was, was very close throughout. Uh, some of the refereeing is questionable. I, I'm going to... Questionable, guy? <laughs> have you ever seen two refs call the same... Called called different fouls, and then they go to the they go to the review monitor, which I didn't think you can do on a personal foul, and they end up calling it a double foul and give your eye the ball back. I do not think I've ever seen anything like that again in my in my basketball watching career. And then there was another issue the next play, I believe. Mitchell got fouled going in with the shot, which went in, and. The ref said it was going to be free throws, but they waved out the basket and they gave him two free throws. But at the time, URI was only in the one and one, and so every I remember what listening to the broadcast. They go if 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 they counted the basket, he gets one shot, and then it, it was just the refs needed to. I guess they didn't wake up. They weren't ready for the four o'clock tip time. I don't know. Some of that refing was refereeing was pretty bad it, it was tough i mean and then and then they didn't call there was a, a goal 10 on a shot where oshuni went up and he definitely the ball was definitely dropping down they didn't call a goal 10 and got the bench hole riled up oh and you can hear over the broadcast cox screaming about it, it was insane yeah the last thing on the refs i got is my biggest pet peeve and it's not just this game it's a game it's an issue all across college basketball 
referees calling fouls that they are nowhere near the play. There was an offensive foul called under the basket where the ref was standing next to David Cox. Like, I just, I don't see how referees can make calls being 20, 30 feet away from the play with everything going on. It's just, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. The My problem this year, and it's a problem that's going to happen all year, and, and it's because of the empty arenas, and it's making me angry, and it's going to make me angry all the time, but it's not, there's nothing I can do, is the, the softness of these referees on calling technical fouls. These players are going to say things. These players are going to make motions. What If there was 8,000 screaming fans in the Ryan Center, they wouldn't have heard anything. But these refs list the, these refs this year like the, that there was a te- a double technical foul that was called on 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 Mitchell and also on Kyle Lofton from St Bonaventure that I don't want to like the the Mitchell Mitchell threw the ball at Lofton so I get it so that one's fine but I don't even know what Lofton said to to equal out. Him getting a technical foul. Well, I think if I rewatched it, I'm pretty sure Kyle Lofton like kind of threw it to him first, and Mitchell threw it to him second. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna be throwing balls at each other and stuff, that I can understand the technical fouls. But some of these that are that are uh, being talked to and all that stuff, that stuff's ridiculous. And I got, I, but as much as you think that the technical fouls are a little ridiculous, I got to give credit for the refs. I think David Cox in that bench. Numerous times I could hear on the broadcast, they got pretty lucky that they didn't get a technical foul today. In my opinion, they did. They got a. They did get a warning, but they didn't yeah. get a technical foul. And and yes, like there was one call where I saw like all like the whole front row get and you up. Could hear and them I'm like, too. you're gonna get. It's gonna <laughs> like you're gonna get a foul. I think like, it's it was gonna happen. The, it was like, on the goaltending uh, that you could hear them all screaming. I saw the ref run over there, so I got to give the credit to the refs for not doing that. I mean. Granted, and then maybe that ref realized if the arena was packed that they wouldn't be the only one booing. But it was just I feel like they I feel I like I don't know. It was I think the they rest, just need the to have ref, a meeting. The they technical fouls is going to like, be can, can can they all be on the same page? Can all the referees be on the same page on it? I think the refs need to get retrained personally because some of these calls are, and it's not just URI games. The refereeing across all of college basketball, and I think it's been an issue for a few years, hasn't been to where. It needs to be like there needs to be a strict. This is a charge. This is a block, and it can't be like I don't know. It's just I think a lot of thing. A lot of the calls need to be one ended, and if you're gonna review certain things, you need to be able to review all the things. I know it's gonna add some time to the games, but there's certain things you can review, and then I I would I would much rather have them review it than get. The I call mean, there's wrong. certain calls I That's wouldn't like the charge to block thing. I couldn't understand possibly reviewing, but if you're gonna review a charge and a block, you can't come out with a double foul like that was. <laughs> that makes no sense. I rem- I, what is this? This Andrew, this ain't football. There, there's not offsetting penalties. That does not happen. I just I don't get. I honestly <laughs> do not get how they call the double. I've foul. never I've never seen. Didn't count the basket, and you or I got the ball back. I I've never seen a double know. foul. I've never seen it. But but yeah, uh, for the game, uh, you or I did start slow as they have been in the last couple games, uh, but did progress the tempo a little bit better. Uh, the Rams actually came back uh, after being down uh, from a deficit, but did go into the half down too. Uh, but there, there's three words that I need to say: Jermaine, Jermaine. Jermaine. This is going to be a strong statement. That's all I'm saying. My personal opinion, <laughs> this was Jermaine Harris's best game in the I, I, 
<laughs> go ahead, Andrew. Go ahead. I know, like his stats aren't going to jump out at you, but I can't remember seeing your Jermaine look this calm, knew what he was doing, didn't take any stupid shots. He hustled. I rem- I I know it's not like nobody's going to really pick up on this. I remember in the second half they had got the rebound, they were walking the ball up, and. Jermaine was lagging behind, and then I just look at him. All of a sudden, he just sprints and sets a beautiful screen. I don't remember who he set the screen for, but that was the first time I've seen him actually like, holy crap, He, I think he's finally getting it. He was, Jermaine was three from three from the field goal line. He made both his free throws. He had 10 rebounds. He had two steals, a block. He stuffed this... St- he, he played 27 minutes. They're not big numbers, but he stuffed the stat sheet. He brought the energy. He was your best. I personally think he was your best player on the court. Tour. Yep, and he was playing that sixth man role because he did not. He was not in the starting lineup, but did come in in that sixth man role. Uh, and he had an amazing two-handed dunk that literally I almost fell. I almost I I almost fell out of the chair. <laughs> he made his defender look stupid on that. He caught the ball. That was that was another time I realized that this was he caught the ball at the top of the three point line, and he used his post moves, which was what he what was what brought him here, what was getting him the recruiting offers from Kansas. He used his post moves and made his defender look like an idiot and dunked on him like Jermaine Harris. He he just looked. I know. He just looked. He looked like he was in the game. Like he, he just looked like he, he just had he just had that and. He didn't Maybe it was shoot. the bunion holding him down all these years. And he didn't shoot from three. He didn't shoot from three, Andrew. I'm so proud. <laughs> so proud. Uh, no, he... Oh. I know his numbers don't jump out at you like Jeremy Shepard's did or Antoine Walker well, did. Jeremy Shepard also, also had a good game. Oh, yeah. Jeremy Shepard had a great game. But, but the but problem I, is you expect that from Jeremy Shepard. You're expecting that from Antoine Walker. We did not expect to see this from Jermaine Harris. Jermaine Harris, finally, in my opinion, finally earned his URI stripes tonight and no time like the present because you need that filling in when Fats is struggling like he has been. And But Jermaine, Jeremy Shepard and Antoine Walker, you expect them to score 17 points. You expect Antoine Walker to have a double-double. Hell, even Makai Mitchell, he had... He didn't really he didn't play his best game, but he still played well. He had two steals, a block. Like it's not all about scoring. Like you obviously you need you need players to score, and that's what you're gonna hopefully get with Shepard, Antoine Walker, Alan Bertrand. But you need these other guys to do the dirty work. And I guess it's just the big man in me speaking. You don't always score, you just gotta do the other things. And that's what Jermaine did tonight. They're they're just I feel like they're all just getting meshed and in just getting more and more comfortable like like looking at these numbers right like Malik Martin only played 14 minutes but those 14 minutes I know he was doing and he was which that's gonna that brings up another issue that I want to talk about later about this game is yeah but I mean just the team's meshing very well uh they did go down in the half two um did have a, a really tough time with the Bonnies you know taking over the game a little bit. Uh, but URI luckily was able to, to come back. The only thing that's disgusting, and we talked about this at the beginning of talking about this game, right? 20-plus turnovers, shooting too early in the clock. Like, 
Oh, oh yeah. The the turnovers killed us, and luckily the Bonnies were turning the ball over too. But I know Stone and Jack said it on the the uh, broadcast a couple times. They were shooting way too early, chucking up threes in the shot clock way too early, in my opinion. But luckily they they went on a thirteen to two run. And then they couldn't score for five minutes, and which caused the Bonnies to get back into it. Luckily, they were able to hold on to the game. But that, like you said, the t- twenty turnovers is not going to win you many games in conference play. And neither is shooting stupid three point shots in the clock. I can understand taking the shot if you're on a roll and you and you just it's a heat check and you're up. But I know Bertrand did it once, Fats did it once. It was just it was not pretty basketball. And Cox mentioned that that they didn't play very well today, and they're lucky that they got the win. Agreed. I think one of the biggest things that benefited them towards the end was o- Oshuni fouled out with 3.47 left in the game. And kind of URI was already up, I think, by three. Or, it was three or five points at that point. But but just him not, you know, him fouling out with that time was, was beneficial. And it's not just that time. It's the fact that he had the foul. He had the foul trouble the entire game, so he couldn't get into his – don't get me wrong, he still had his – he still had his block. He had four blocks and four steals. He still had his dues there, but obviously you, he couldn't play as much as he wanted to today. Yeah, no. But And obviously, you know, one thing that we, we did see, and we're going to talk about it in a little bit, uh, no Fats Russell at the end. Uh, Fats' minutes severely, uh, severely caught. Um, actually finding out during the week that he's actually we we knew that he's been battling injuries we've talked about that they got last week's episode yeah he's got a heel yeah. issue that he's been which has been de- which which has been described as what how do you say it andrew i can't even pronounce the thing i think they meant it plant plantar fasciitis which doesn't Horrible. sound very it's not sound fun. Very nice. it's not Bef- good. okay we'll we'll go a couple more things before we start talking about fats because that's going to lead us into a whole other discussion and probably get us off on a tangent but I will say, free throws hurt us again, like they always do. You or I, I think I texted you at one point that I don't think they've hit a free throw all game, and they shot from the free throw line. They shot 60% from the free throw line. They shot 15 of 25 from right there. I know you're not going to make every free throw a game, but you make half of those free throws that you missed. You're not sweating at the end of the game like you were tonight. All I got to say, between now and Sunday, your eye just needs to practice free throws. And free throws have always been an Achilles heel for us, right? Like, not, I'm not defending I'm not defending David Cox. I'm not defending Dan Hurley. But, like, we've always had issues with free throws. It's, it's, it's always been a problem. It's always been an issue. But it's something that you need to fix, especially with these tough, close games. That could have hurt us at the end. Like, it really could have. We, we were sweating it out for the last minute or so. Just... And even though you're up in the lead, like, you, you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> like, it was tough. And I think one thing that we do need to talk about is the remarkable improvement in their rebounding, both on the offensive board and the defensive rebounding. I remember one they they out-rebounded St. Bonaventure, which I did not think was going to be possible today. They got a total of 42 rebounds to... St. Bonaventure's 29. I did not think they were going to be able to out-rebound them. They got 14 offensive rebounds. I know they got five of them on one possession, which, between you and me, probably shouldn't have happened. But 
they they looked remarkably better on the boards, which was very nice to see. Yep, and come out with the win. Uh, your final in Kingston, URI 63, St. Bonaventure 57, giving URI their first Atlantic 10 win in the season in the conference, which is awesome. But it it, it does bring up a lot of questions, Andrew, right? Like, it is... Yeah. Uh, uh, like... My biggest question is, what the heck are these rotations? Like, my per like Jalen Carrier played twenty six minutes, and I know I'm not the only one who feels this way. Jalen Carrier, Jalen Carrier should not be playing twenty six minutes right now. DJ Johnson played five minutes against the Bonavent, against the Bonnies. I don't, I don't know if there's matchup issues. I don't know what's going on. But and then Malik Martin only played fourteen. I get that he had a little bit of foul trouble in the first half, but there's no reason why Jalen Carey should be playing 26 minutes right now. I think Ishmael should be getting more minutes. DJ Johnson should definitely be getting more than five minutes a game. They both have they both have proved that they deserve more minutes than Jalen Carey right now. Don't get me wrong, Jalen Carey had had his moments and he brings energy, but he's just not. He, no, even with those moments, Andrew, not enough to to warrant that many minutes. I, I agree with I agree with you 100 percent like exactly. it, it, uh, it, it really 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 he should not be getting the same amount of minutes as Jones. no not at all no <laughs> and I think that brings up another interesting thing that David Cox in his pressure yesterday is that at some point the rotation is gonna get shrunk is gonna shrink a little bit but the problem is if you keep changing the rotation every game how are you gonna know which players to play? Like, well, 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 it also brings up, are they trying things out? Like, are they trying to rotate things? Is that how the game was scouted? Like, it's questions that we're going to have to, we almost have to wait for this weekend and also on Wednesday to find out exactly what the reasoning is, so to say. It's interesting that you bring up Sunday because I think Sunday is the perfect, is going to be a perfect game for you or I. And you mentioned it earlier. Well, for those who do not know, we are playing St. Joe's on Sunday and we'll give you a quick little preview before we finish this conversation about how we think Sunday should be treated. Because Gary and I both agree on some things about how Sunday should be treated. And I think it could be. And I think it could be a very good game to answer all a lot of questions about rotations, getting guys minutes, and seeing how this team will function. Because, quite frankly, St. Joseph sucks. Okay, I, I, I know that's terrible to put it. But sorry, sorry, Lenardi. We don't mean to. We don't mean to sound mean. We love you. Please love you or I. But St. Joseph's is zero and six. They played tough against Auburn, but the rest of their non-conference schedule was terrible. They played Kansas, Villanova, Tennessee. They got spanked by VCU tonight. They're just not a very good team. And and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in our game preview coming up. Uh, but. Uh, we do want to jump in with uh, a new segment that I do want to transition us into, right? Uh, so we're going to try this new segment this week. We're going to let you, we want you guys to let us know how you think of it. Uh, it is news from the A-10 where we talk about the weekly awards for the A-10 and also uh, the update in, in a couple of the, the rankings, right, Andrew? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a new segment that we're trying out this. We'll see how it goes. I think it's going to be a great one. So first off, your weekly awards, your player of the week goes to St. Louis senior Jordan Goodwin and George Mason freshman Tyler Golick gets the rookie of the week or Tyler Golick gets the rookie of the week and for those who recognize that name he is from Cumberland Rhode Island 
for all those big A-10 Rhode Island fans. Um, we also want to mention out that the A-10 President's Council recently approved $1.4 million to distribute to each institution for $100,000 for helping with their expenses of COVID-19. Congratulations to Bob McKillop, who was one win away from 600 career wins at Davidson. That's a great accomplishment. Which is which is nuts. Uh, also, we do want to bring up, uh, th- and this did happen on Wednesday, uh, the St. Louis program is currently um, in quarantine um, due to a positive COVID case. Uh, so their game uh, against Duquesne that was supposed to happen on Wednesday was postponed. Uh, so they are currently in quarantine and awaiting to hear from that. That could there could be other teams involved after this recording potentially, you know, because I think literally things are changing hour by hour, right, Andrew? I mean, at oh, this absolutely. point, I'm just I'm just happy that we have a basketball season. Uh, yeah, but they, <laughs> you or I's gotten crap lucky this year that they haven't had any yep. issues. Yep, and, and we don't. And, and and just so everybody knows, so everyone can hear it. Yeah, I'm knocking on wood, just, just in case. <laughs> Just come. And the uh, last thing we'll cover in our news segment is the uh, weekly tournament preview or the projection for the NCAA tournament. Both Joe Lenardi and Jerry Palm have three Atlantic teams, Atlantic 10 teams in the current tournament, which uh, is Lenardi has Davidson, Richmond, and St. Louis. Palm has Dayton, Richmond, and St. Louis. Um, Dayton and Richmond are both uh, receiving votes in the polls. And they're both his teams to watch and could be a Final Four sleeper. Um, eight Atlantic 10 teams are in the top 100 of Ken Palm with Richmond, VCU, and Dayton 57 through 59. Davidson 69, St. Bonaventure 71, Rhode Island 80, and Duquesne 87. I am just going to assume that with Rhode Island beating St. Bonaventure, that's going to change. But other than that, that's your look around the A-10. We have a full slate of conference games on this weekend so be ready for the a10 is in full swing gary we're in, we're in full swing a lot of stuff coming up in the a10 uh that that was really good i like that segment i really do it's nice to hear about the around the a10 and it, i'm happy to bring this back this week right so with last week's episode we had a couple questions and then we took a break so we didn't know what we we're gonna get so we do have two questions that we're gonna answer on this week's podcast now I do want to preface it. They're both from VCU fans. So, so yeah, Rody fans, step it up. Rody fans, come on. Yeah, we, we need, need you questions. here. <laughs> we need you here. Um, but one of the questions we received, uh, now it's been about three weeks, but it's still relevant, so I, I do want to bring it up. Uh, and it's from a listener on the show uh, who listens to our podcast every week, uh, one of our supporters. Uh, his name is Bobby Gary. Bobby. Hi, Bobby. <laughs> uh, so Bobby asked us, and it's it's a really good question. I'm gonna let Andrew take this one, right? So, from an outsider and a fan of another program, how do you feel the transfer portal has helped or hurt Rhode Island over the last five years? That's a it's a great question, Bobby. I think it's helped and hurt. I don't think or I think it's helped and hurt because. I think it's helped because it gave URI a competitive team this year. Because let's all be honest, if we didn't get those waivers, we'd be St. Joseph's this year. I mean, and the past few years, it brought us Xavier Mumford. And yeah, it just brought us Stan. It brought us Karan. It's those, I think it, it, so as a college basketball as a whole, it helps, it helps the bigger, it helps the mid-majors from the bigger schools where their talent 
can't succeed up there and the players want to come to smaller schools, i.e. Jalen Carey, Karan Iverson, Stan Robinson, Alan Beatran. But it also hurts the mid-major schools for these players who overperform their first or second year that go to these bigger schools, i.e. Tyrese Martin, Jacob Toppin, the list can, Marco Santos Silva at VCU with you guys, the all these Harvard kids, like the list goes on and on. And I think it's just it's just going to become the college basketball now, especially without the transfer waivers going through. So it's I think it's going to help and hurt schools over the years to come, especially with like the lower mid major schools. They're going to get plucked by the mid major schools. It's like a it's like a domino effect. The lower mid major schools are going to get plucked, like we plucked the uh, Malik Martin and it's going to be the mid-major schools are going to get plucked like we got plucked this year. Hopefully we don't get plucked next year. And then how the big schools are going to lose guys. So I just, I think it's, I think it's going to be an ever evolving system. I think it's NCAA's version of free agency. Exactly. And I, and I think that, I think that the transfer portal always is either, it has both sides, right? You're going to be happy that we're able to get those players. And, you know, like Andrew said, those players, like, Stan Robinson, Karan Iverson benefited us greatly, right? But then we lost, we've lost, we lost players, right? And it benefited them, too, as a whole, because they were able to come to schools, be stars, lead them to, lead them to bigger, to bigger, uh, to bigger paydays at the end when they graduate, going to play overseas. I know Karan's playing overseas. Andre Berry, he's another one who's playing overseas right now. And these all guys who came here to URI had big years and then went. Yeah, I, I think that it benefits. But I also think that we also, in the last couple of years, just need to be a little worried about the, the plucking. But but that's just, it's a slippery slope. I, I think that I think that it's going to benefit and hurt us. I think that it's something that, like Andrew said, is, is the baseline of basically free agency in college basketball. And I, we talked about it before, and I don't want to jump into too much of a tangent, right? I think that they should be allowed one waiver like free range and if they want to leave, but that's it, right? No more messing around, but I think that in the end it, it, it benefits and hurts us, but it it's more helped than hurt. That That's what I'll, I'll say. From a URI standpoint, I would say it's more helped than hurt us. From a college basketball, it's helped and hurt. Yep. That's a great way to put uh, it. I like that. I like that interest. So thank you, Bobby, for that question. And then our last question uh, is from another one of our listeners. Uh, it is, as many of... People know in the uh, A10 world, uh, it is Tori from VCU. Everyone knows who Tori is from VCU. Tori, thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, so Tori asks us, uh, what are your New Year's resolutions for the team, for the fan base, and personal if we wanted to share, right? Uh, Andrew, I'll let you take the team one. What do you think the New Year's resolution is for the team? Okay, Gary. Thank you very much, and thank you, Tori, for the question. I think the team... This New Year's resolution needs to rebounding, scoring, and free throws. Those, if the if the team can put together some nice scoring and making their free throws and rebounding, it'll be a very happy David Cox, and I think the team will be right there at the end of March. Okay, I like that. I'm gonna take the fan base one, and then we can we can get into personals if we want to do those. Right, uh, I think for the fan base, the New Year's resolution should be that. Patience is a virtue, right? I think that you have to be patient with this team. There are there are a whole bunch of new players. They're they're getting used to things, and you know, obviously, there are things that need to be fixed every year. There's things that need to be fixed, but I think that 
it, it's more of being okay when they they don't pull it out and win, right? Because they're learning. The if we unfortunately don't make it to the the top four, and we have to play on Thursday in the A10 tournament. Is that a bad thing? No. Does it happen? Yes. And would it be common for this team to have an issue? Potentially, because that's just the way it is. This team is getting to know each other. So be like, I would say be calm. Be okay about it. You know, you're going to be mad about losses. Work on those things for the next game and take it a game at a time. Because we all know that we wanted to beat Wisconsin. We all know that, right? We all know that we didn't want to lose to Davidson, but it happened, right? But it, it it's the fact that just around the corner, there's some big games that are coming up that we, you know, this team needs to be prepared for. And there's time. Every, there's plenty of time. Plenty of time to, to fix the bugs and plenty of time to do that. So I would say be patient about it and don't worry too much. I think that's a good one, Gary. But I, And patience is key because I also think that this brings up a great point about I think this season reminds me a lot of the season before you or I ran the A-10 for two years. We were a talented team, but we had to get all the pieces to work. And then the next two years, you or I took 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 fire across the A-10. I think that, that this is a prime example of that. And I think if you or I can get all the pieces together this year, next year we have our normal season, fans, full non-conference, full conference schedule. I think you or I could very well be a dangerously good team and could shock a lot of people. So thank you, Tori. I will say that I'm not I'm not uh submitting my uh my personal New Year's resolutions just because I wanna I wanna make sure those come true. So I'm gonna keep those to myself. Do you have any Andrew you wanna bring up? I'm curious as to what yours is that you're so secretive about. Nope. <laughs> I'm just not telling. Just uh, not telling. You know, the usual <laughs> ones. Lose the weight, find the girlfriend, get a pay raise, the usual ones. So yeah. Anybody anybody got any tips or anything? Send me a DM at apazinski.com. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, so thank you for your questions. Uh, you can go through and submit us questions at any time to our Twitter at Rody Baseline. We will go through and try to answer those for you uh, on the show. Uh, so let's jump in. We have we talked a little bit about the game preview earlier, uh, but two games for URI starting out Sunday uh, versus St. Joe's. That game's happening at the Ryan Center, 430 PM game nationally televised on NBC Sports Network. And yes, you cannot watch the Patriots because they are already out. And you can watch URI. That's all I'm saying. And hopefully the Jets beat the Patriots. Coming <laughs> from Patriots fan. I want that high draft pick. Get me in the top 10, baby. Uh, so for St. Joe's, uh, Ryan Daly is questionable for this game. Obviously, we're recording this on Wednesday, so we don't know exactly what's going on. Uh, but he did hurt his wrist Wednesday before the VCU game. Uh, was seen in the cast on the on the seats now were, now as the bench uh, before the game and did not play. It's a huge loss for the St. Joe's Hawks. Yeah, because he's the only one who can play basketball for him. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, St. Joe's' last game uh, was Wednesday against VCU. They lost 80-64. to um, And they also are terrible from the free throw line. Doesn't that sound familiar? Yeah, no. It's not just a free throw line, Gary. They, they're they not they're not like terrible from the free throw line. I mean, they shoot 74% from the free throw line. Their bigger issues, they shoot 28% from the three-point line and 40% from the field. From the field, I mean, there's not much you can really say good about them. Uh, maybe the fact that they played a tough non-conference schedule has something to do with it. 
Ryan Daly, who is supposedly their best player, and I, I mean, he's very good. He can score the ball. He averages 17 points a game in 33 minutes. He's shooting 17% from the three, 40% from the field, so it's pretty obvious that his their offense runs through that runs through him. He gets all their shots. He has 10 more shots than anybody on the team. Um, it seems like Taylor Funk is their other big target that you got to worry about outside of that they're it's not very it's not very good they're you look at all their you look at their their like team stats against their opponents they give up they have 193 rebounds as a team they've given up 258 rebounds they average 73 points a game but are giving up 90 points a game um their team teams are averaging 60 more free throws in them a game. They're shooting 10% better from three, 7% better from the field. The only thing that's even is the amount of minutes that they play. They both play 12. They both, they both have played 1225 minutes a game. They both average the same amount of minutes a game outside of that on paper. St. Joseph is not very good, but for some reason they always play URI tough. Maybe it's because we have a lot of Philly blood on our team, but, it just it, this has all the makings for a nice Sunday afternoon blowout at the Ryan Center, which, quite frankly, you or I needs one of those. So, so, so I'm going to bring up this point, and, and it's going to be controversial, but I'm going to bring up this point. I know you're playing St. Joe's. I know they they have a, we have a lot of oh. Before we get into this, Gary, guess what? With the only good thing about COVID is that the fact that the Hawk doesn't have to come to the Ryan Center this year. Yeah, he's just going to be on Instagram Live instead. They, they had him today. Uh, they had him during the VCU game on Wednesday. He was flapping his wings. He was at the top of the arena. It was hilarious. Like, you just see he's stuck out like a sore thumb. <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. But, but no, my what I think is that if, you're, if you think that this game is going to be, not seeing a cakewalk, but you think you're going to beat this team, I think they should sit fats for the game, right? You have two tough games coming up in the schedule against Richmond and VCU. And with the the tough game that he had against the Bonnies, where he, he didn't play that many minutes and, and kind of, you know, tried to be off the court a little bit more, you rest Fats Russell against St. Joe's because it shouldn't make a difference. It, it, it could, but you need other guys to step up. You bench Fats for that game. Let him rest. Let him heal up. So you get a 75% healthy Fats against Richmond and VCU and not a 50% Fats. That's exactly like what they did with Surreal last year against Fordham. They rested Fordham because they had a big game on Friday night at the Ryan Center. And I... Like I get what I get the pros and cons of it, and I just I think it would be a beneficial not to do it for numerous reasons. One, you get fats the rest he needs, and B, this could find you could you can have guys step up and get minutes and have the guys who haven't been playing with each other playing time. You can get Ishmael more minutes, DJ Johnson more minutes. You can get Malik more. You can just get all these guys more minutes and more comfortable. And if all these other you know fats is going to have the offense at some point. If you get all these guys having big games, big offensive games that could lead you into them breaking out for the rest of the season. Yep. So I think that that's what they should do. I'm not the coach, neither is Andrew. So unfortunately we can't make that call, but that is one thing that I think, but obviously we don't know what the spread's going to be. I'm going to say that it's going to be 10 point favorites for URI. That's being generous. It could be more. 
potentially. Uh, but that game happening Sunday at the Ryan Center, 4.30 p.m. NBC Sports Network. Uh, and then the URI Rams take a trip uh, to Virginia for two games. Uh, the first of that game happening before we record our next episode. Uh, that's happening next Wednesday uh, at the Richmond Spiders, 6 p.m. That game nationally televised on CBS uh, Sports Network. Uh, the Spiders were picked second in the A-10 in the preseason poll. Uh, and obviously have the powerhouses of Grant Golden and uh, Jacob Gillard. Yeah, powerhouses. Yeah, let's go with that. No, like you said, th- th- this is this is going to be a good test for URI to see exactly where they are. Are they where they want to be? Are they close to where they want to be? Or do we still have a long way to go? If you want any shot at making it to, to March, you got to show up next Wednesday night in Richmond, Virginia. The Spiders, I know we joke about it, how they're not very, they were they were the laughing stock of the league a few years ago, but boy are they here. And it's not just Jacob Gillard and Grant Golden. You also have Blake Francis, who was, a, he's a grad student. I remember him from last year. You have that, uh, where is he? Andre Gustafson. He played, a, he had a good game down last year at the Ryan Center. These guys are not going to cut their, they want to be. They want to be right there at March, and this very well could have a March Madness feel to it next next Wednesday night. Yep. So so you know an easy game for URI happening on Sunday, and then a very tough game on Wednesday. Uh, two games. URI obviously hoping to win both of those games. I do think that the Richmond game is going to be the tougher of the two. Uh, but who knows? I mean, St. Joe's could come out swinging. They did uh, kind of keep up with VCU for a little while on Wednesday before they kind of let the gas run out. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens. Those games Sunday and Wednesday for the URI Rams. Like Richmond is on paper so much better than like they're they're the complete opposite of St. Louis. Obviously, they're at, they shoot thirty five percent from the free from three. They shoot over fifty. They shoot fifty one percent from the field. They're shooting seventy percent from the free throw line. They're rebounding. They do not give up offensive rebounds like they don't give up they don't give up they don't get out rebounded very much yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one it's gonna be two tough game i'd say sunday should be a a little bit of a cakewalk but wednesday is gonna be a tough game uh for the uri rams and they don't turn the ball over either yep it's gonna be tough uh so those two games happening uh and then last but not least on today's episode uh we got andrew with another hot take huh Let's let's jump into this hot take, Andrew. Okay. Before I tell you the hot take, I know the odds of this actually happening are ninety percent not gonna happen, and ten percent could actually happen. I'm a realist, but Gary and I were trying to think of a hot take just to liven the thing up a little bit. My hot take for this week is that Fats Russell will be back as a URI Ram next week, next year. <gasps> Why do you say that, Andrew? Okay, for those who are, like, he's a senior, he can't come back. First off, he can come back because of COVID. All Division One athletes in winter and fall have gained another year of eligibility due to the pandemic and not being able to compete last year and this year for some of the fall sports. So there is a way for him to come back. If Fats' ultimate dream is to get to the NBA, I think he'd be smart to come back. Because his draft stock has been plummeting this year and the injury is not helping him. And quite frankly, it could also hurt him getting a contract overseas. 
So if he wants to maximize his dollar, and this is where the business world comes into effect, if he wants to maximize his dollar, it might behoove him to come back to URI for one more year. And not to mention he could also break all URI records if he comes back. I like that. It's true, though. So we're going to we're gonna put a poll up as soon as the episode airs on Friday. Do you think... And before Gary finishes, I know... I know it sounds crazy, and I know that the odds of it actually happening are like 99% to 1, but it was just something that crossed my mind when I was reading that all seniors could come back next year. So I just figured I'd throw it out there. You know, 99% of reporting is throwing stick and hoping 1% of it sticks, so you never know. It's true. If he comes back, hey, if Fats comes back next year, I had it here first on December 30th at 11.52 p.m. (laughs) Uh, so we're going to put a poll up on our Twitter, uh, a 24-hour poll, uh, right after the episode airs. Do you think Fats Russell should return for a sixth year? Uh, make sure to take that poll at Rody Baseline. And also and also respond to us. Give us, your, give us your thoughts on it and let us know if why you think he should or shouldn't come back. We could have a nice little discussion on Twitter. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. Uh, so that completes episode three of the Roadie Baseline podcast. Don't forget, they have games on Sunday against St. Joe's, 430 at NBC Sports Network. And then next Wednesday at Richmond, 6 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. We will chat with you guys next week. Hope you guys have a good rest of your new year. And as always, Andrew. Happy New Year and go Roadie. Thank you.